If you have a Bible today, you can maybe turn to Mark's Gospel in chapter 16, which we read from this morning, Mark and chapter 16. And we're thinking of encountering the supernatural in the resurrection of Jesus, reacting to that resurrection. London West End was plunged into darkness and consternation at midnight one Wednesday when a faulty connection box caught fire underground and flames and smoke began to emerge through manholes. Offices were evacuated and such was the panic to get to safety that many workers left their mobile phones at work. Judges sitting in the Royal Court of Justice and eight West End shows were affected. Seventy firefighters were needed to extinguish the blaze. Commuters and all who witnessed the spectacle were astounded. It was a scene they had never expected to see that day. They had never witnessed it before and so many ran away out of fear. Such is the effect on us of encountering the abnormal, the extraordinary, the exceptional in our lives and experience. So how then should we react to the resurrection of Jesus today? One legitimate reaction is joy. The resurrection of Jesus is evidence of the finished work of redemption. Romans 4.25 He was raised again for our justification. A truth to be rejoiced in. Jesus' resurrection guarantees our bodily resurrection at the last day. 1 Corinthians 15.20 Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. We should rejoice in the sure and certain hope that death will be swallowed up in victory because of the resurrection of Jesus. But faith is another legitimate and important reaction to the resurrection of Jesus. Many in our society do not believe that Jesus has risen, but we believe the written word of God, the resurrection of Jesus. But a third reaction is that of fear, a sense of wonder at this miracle of bringing the dead to life again. And that is the emphasis in Mark's account of the resurrection. He ends this account with the words, they were afraid. That was the woman, the three women, Mary, Mary, Salome, who visited the tomb where Jesus, whom they had seen die, who had seen buried on that resurrection morning, the tomb was empty. And they left that tomb, not singing, not fist pumping, not high-fiving, but fleeing, afraid, silent. Let us today mingle our joy in the resurrection and our faith in the historical event with an element of awe and fear. The nature 
of their reaction, the causes of their reaction, the significance of their reaction of fear in the presence of the resurrection of Jesus. Let's think first of all of the nature of their reaction in verse 8. There are three elements of their reaction of awe, wonder, and fear noted in this last verse of the resurrection account. The first is a physical element. They went out and fled from the tomb. Their running from the tomb was not to tell the disciples that Jesus would meet them in Galilee as the angels told them to do in verse 7. Rather, they were running for their lives. They were spooked, they were awed, they were amazed, they were afraid at what they had just seen. Like the thousands in the West End that day in London, they ran having witnessed a sobering and spectacular sight. It was a natural reaction for them to run. They were running to the safety of their homes and the security of their family and friends. The terms went out and fled are strong terms emphasizing speed and great eagerness to get away. They went out quickly from the empty tomb. They fled from the tomb, probably leaving the expensive recently purchased spices in verse 1 behind them. But there was also an emotional element in their reaction. Trembling and astonishment had seized them, verse 8 says. Well, the previous statement of fleeing is in the aorist tense, meaning a completed action, this statement is in the imperfect tense, indicating an abiding emotion in them. They continued to be trembling and astonished afterwards. Even after they were away from the tomb, they continued that emotion of fear and trembling. Such was the impact, such was the effect of what they had witnessed and experienced and seen at the empty tomb. Tremble means to quake with fear. They were shaking because they were afraid, not because they were cold or excited. Astonished means to be distracted out of one's normal mind, filled with wonder and surprise. Here's the emotional element in their reaction. Trembling and astonishment seized them. Perhaps you can remember being in some accident, some pressurized situation, some car crash perhaps. And as your car spun around, everything seemed to happen in slow motion. It was surreal for you. You were amazed. You were not in your normal thought pattern or experience. Such was the fear. Such was the unusual circumstance. I remember my car suddenly spinning on the Ormo Road around the embankment. Everything slowed down. I remember being powerless to do anything as my car spun on the wet leaves around that road. I remember laughing at a man on the pavement who was looking on in horror at my car and who then ran with a bag of messages to get away from my car. And then the car came to rest. And I realized that I was shaking like a leaf, my hands trembling. And this was the emotion of the woman. They weren't in their normal thought pattern. Everything seemed to be different and abnormal. They were trembling 
and astonished. The physical element of their reaction, the emotional element of their reaction, the verbal element of their reaction. Verse 8 says, they said nothing to anyone. A double negative is used here. No one, nothing they told. As they ran back to their homes, they did not stop to tell anyone what they had witnessed. So stunned, so traumatized were they with what they had seen, they couldn't even speak. It wasn't that they wouldn't speak out of fear of the Jews. It wasn't that they were silent out of fear of being scoffed by people who would not believe what they said. Theirs was a stunned silence. Though the angel commanded them to tell others in verse 7, go tell his disciples, they couldn't tell others. Such was the impact. Such was the effect of the empty tomb on them that they said nothing to anyone. Perhaps you remember sitting under a powerful speech or or sermon, seeing a stunning film, being at an amazing concert and just being left speechless. Perhaps we say sometimes, it took my breath away, it took my words away. This was the experience of these women. They ran. They were trembling and afraid. They said nothing to anyone. Our family neighbor in Perth had fought in World War I. At any time the subject of the war came up, he would go silent. He had seen horrific, stunning awesome sights in his life that he was so moved over that he could not speak about them. The nature of these three women's reaction, their physical, emotional, verbal elements of it. But, but it makes us ask the question then, that's, that's pretty extreme, that, that, that reaction. So, so what caused this emotional, physical, verbal change uh, within them? And, and there's two aspects of the event which caused uh, such an impact on these visitors to the early tomb. One was that they encountered a surprising event. And the other is that they encountered a supernatural event. They encountered a surprising event, didn't they? They had witnessed the death of Jesus, chapter 15, verse 40, lists their names there. They had witnessed the burial of Jesus, chapter 15, verse 47, lists the very same ladies' names there. They had seen Jesus die on the cross. They had seen Jesus buried in the tomb. And now... They come to the tomb, the place of his burial, verse 1, to anoint him. Their purpose in anointing Jesus was not so much the preservation of his body, but to provide a pleasant aroma within the tomb. Verse 6, they're described as seeking Jesus. This phrase has been used by Mark already in his book ten times. And the point he often makes with this phrase is that people have different expectations 
from the reality. They're expecting to find something very different than what they do find in Jesus. Here are people throughout the gospel seeking Jesus. They've got some idea what they'll find in Jesus. But Mark records these ten times that when they do find Jesus, it's very different from what they thought they would find. And so it is here. These women are expecting to find a dead, decaying, putrefying, decomposing, bruised body. But instead, they find nobody. They were not at the wrong tomb because they came at sunrise, verse 2 says. They could see the place where they, that is Joseph and Nicodemus, had lovingly laid Jesus in verse 6. There was visible evidence that Jesus' body had been there. Have you ever opened the fridge for a piece of cheese and found the cheese gone, but the evidence of a mouse having been there? You're surprised. All kinds of questions come to your mind. You're maybe scared. You maybe scream. You maybe tremble. You maybe run. Because of their reaction indicates that they found something they did not expect. But it was more than something surprising that met them, wasn't it? More than something different than from what they were expecting. It was something supernatural that met them. The empty tomb in itself does not prove the resurrection of Jesus or does not make these ladies fear. Rather, it was the word of revelation, of explanation. Spoken by the angels that causes them to be afraid and to flee in silence with trembling. The angels explain the empty tomb as in verse 6. He has risen. They claim that his body is not moved to another resting place now that the disciples have had time to think. His body has not been stolen by the disciples or by the enemies of Jesus to bury in a pauper's grave. But that the resurrecting power of God has raised Jesus from the dead. These women realize they're in the presence of the supernatural in that empty tomb. And it's eerie. It's terrifying. It's scary for them. The Greek is, in verse 6, he was raised. That is, Jesus was passive in the resurrection. He was raised by another. He was raised by the almighty power of God. God in heaven's power has been in that place, in that empty tomb. The almighty has come down and made Jesus alive. The same person who was tortured, crucified, scourged, Lifeless is now, three days later, risen. Imagine going to a grave and an angel standing there telling you that the person is risen. We would run for our lives. Perhaps the closest we get to this situation is the sense of the Almighty God in a storm. 
when the sky becomes unusually dark and claustrophobic and the thunder is rumbling and the lightning is flashing, we feel small, helpless in the presence of the almighty God and creator demonstrated in his creation. So here, these women have seen Jesus die. They've seen him buried. And now they don't see him, but they are told he has been raised by the power of God. And this surprising and supernatural event of the resurrection causes them to fear. The nature of their reaction, the causes of their reaction, and thirdly, the significance of their reaction. What is the the application of Mark's account of the resurrection for us today. There's three lessons that we are to take home with us and take into this week with us as we think of this wonderful account of Jesus rising from the dead. The first is to recapture the heavenly. To recognize the presence of the supernatural in our world. Recapture the heavenly. Jesus' body was not stolen by friends or enemies, not resuscitated by the coldness of the rock tomb. It wasn't the wrong grave that the woman came along to, grief-stricken, teary-eyed. Jesus, whom they had seen die, witnessed being buried, has been raised. The almighty power of God has been exercised in that garden tomb. In the Gospel of Mark, the reaction of fear is a common reaction to the miracles of Jesus. In chapter 4, 5, 6, 9, people see the supernatural working before their eyes and they are afraid. They feel small and weak and sinful in the presence of God. It's always been the pious reaction of mankind to the supernatural throughout the Bible. It's not doubt or skepticism or denial, but fear and awareness of the supernatural working of God in this world. Moses at the burning bush was afraid. Job, when God spoke to him at the end of all those rounds of discussions, was afraid. Daniel, receiving a vision from God, was afraid. The people that we read of in Exodus 19 at Mount Sinai, in the presence of the supernatural, were afraid. There's no singing, no dancing, but a sober realization of the presence of God. Let's recapture the heavenly. About 30 years ago, I heard a woman speak about her experience of the Lewis revival. And one of the memorable things which she said was, be careful what you pray for. The evident presence of God in that revival she found to be a sobering, scary, humbling experience. And here are these women at the tomb in the presence of the supernatural and they're afraid. They're filled with awe and wonder. The power of God on this earth. The resurrection of Jesus, the existence of God has been attacked and denied for centuries and still is being attacked and we need to recapture 
the wonder of this wonderful acting of God in the resurrection of Jesus and in our congregation, in our lives, in our communities, in our impossible situations. There is nothing that our God cannot do. There is no limit to his power. What is it that you're struggling with at this time? With an addiction, with unconverted family members, with a difficult boss. Visit the empty tomb and recapture the heavenly. Verses 3 and 4 are amazing, aren't they? The woman was saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? Looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. Like us, we just see the problem, the impossible thing, the immovable stone. Let's look to this almighty God who can remove what to us is impossible, recapture the heavenly. Secondly, let us, as we reflect on Mark's account, revisit the historical, the historicity of the resurrection, the reality, the factuality of the resurrection of Jesus is emphasized in the way this account of Jesus' resurrection is recorded by Mark. There are details here which are put in to strengthen our belief in the historical event of the resurrection of Jesus. There's two aspects which are highlighted in this account. One is that women were the chief witnesses to the resurrection of Jesus. Mary, Mary and Salome are the chief witnesses to the empty tomb. And this is significant because in the first century within Roman courts, the witness of a woman was not allowed. But here in the gospel accounts, recording the most momentous work of redemption, It is women who are the chief witnesses to the resurrection. This emphasizes to us, this is not made up. This is no fable. The historicity of the resurrection. A second point is their fear and trembling. Here is the greatest news, the strongest plank in Christianity. Jesus is risen again. All other world leaders have died and you can visit their tombs. Our leader is risen again and yet those who hear that message are afraid, are filled with astonishment and trembling. All of this emphasizes the historicity of the resurrection of Jesus. And you and I today And every day, need to absorb the truth, the historicity, the reality of Jesus' resurrection in our lives. It will transform us. Jesus is alive today. Therefore, he can give us complete forgiveness for all our sins. He can give us daily strength to live for him. And he will resurrect our bodies at the last day. The resurrection is no dream. 
No prophecy of a future event. No fable. No fantasy. It's real, factual, historical. Work has been done on increasing the longevity of humanity. Already worms have been made to live longer. And the anticipation is that by 2035, medication will be available for for all of us to prolong our lives. But today, it's only a dream, only a hope, only a prediction, not a reality. But today, Jesus is alive. He is resurrected from the dead. Let that truth affect us today. Recapture the heavenly. Revisit the historical. It was Luther who said, wasn't it, that he wanted to live and and every Christian should live as if Jesus died yesterday, rose today, is coming tomorrow. Revisit the historical. And lastly, realize the human. The reaction of the three women at the tomb teach us that faith, true faith, saving faith, honest, godly, upright followers of Jesus will be imperfect this side of heaven. As we read this account, we need to realize the human. The side of heaven or faith in Jesus, real faith, saving faith, will be imperfect. Even in the presence of angels, in the presence of a miracle, in the presence of the fulfillment of Jesus' words, people of true faith are afraid, are silent, are running. Their love for Jesus is unquestioned. The apostles are hiding in their homes. The women are courageous and bold at the tomb. They're real disciples. They're true believers, but they are imperfect followers of Jesus. We are just like them. Today, considering the resurrection of Jesus, sitting around the empty tomb with our open Bibles, remembering these authentic words in verse 6, He has risen. Are you afraid? Afraid you're not a Christian. Afraid of a bully at school. Afraid of death. Afraid of getting old and no one to care for you. Afraid of life. The resurrection of Jesus will not take away all of our fears. Our faith can still be weak, tested, trembling at times. These women struggled with the whole experience of the resurrection of Jesus. And we too will have our struggles. Struggle perhaps to believe some doctrine in the Bible. Struggle to shake off a sinful habit. Struggle to be a faithful husband, a loving wife, an obedient child, a good neighbor, the Christians Jesus has called us to be. Even in the consciousness, in the faith, in the conviction of the resurrection of Jesus, we will not be imperfect, we're perfect this side of heaven. And that is comforting 
Imagine a first century Christian in chains under the floor of the Roman Colosseum waiting to be thrown to the lions. He's afraid. Afraid of death. Been unable to witness to the Roman soldiers to whom he's chained. He knows Christ is risen. And then he remembers Mark 16. They were afraid. Christian life is not all full assurance, not all perfect obedience, not all constant happiness. There are dark days, down days, doubting days. Alongside of recapturing the heavenly and revisiting the historical, let us remember the human. But these women get over their trembling and silence. In verse 10, the power of the risen Jesus enables them to witness, to speak, to follow. And so we also, as we look to the risen Christ, will overcome our fears, our silence, and his grace. He is risen and is the saviour and friend of us, his imperfect followers. Mark Lockridge, in his appeal to Vincent MacDonald to accept the call to Limerick on Thursday evening, described his own experience of witnessing in the south of Ireland. On occasions, he said, as he shared the gospel with them of Jesus' death for sins, of his resurrection, of faith in Jesus alone for salvation, people have said to them, him, why? Have I never heard this before? But you have. Do you believe it? 